0: Praise the Lord. Well, welcome to the house of God. I'm so glad you came this morning. And uh, I have a word for you from, I feel it's just from the Lord. It's from the book of Joshua. I've been preaching a series. So if you're new to our church, you can access those uh, messages online on YouTube and uh, off uh, our podcast. Just go to livecitychurch.com and have a look. But this morning, I just want to go a little bit deeper with the word. One thing we know is that there's a lot of certainties in life. What are some certainties? change how many people love change look at that person tell them you're sick you are i hate change i don't like change another certainty is death and not close behind that is taxes sometimes taxes feels like death but they actually are two different things but one thing that we forget that is an absolute certainty is the battle that you undergo on a regular basis every day there are people that are struggling just to keep their heads above water trying to pay their bills are struggling with these things and I don't know maybe if you you know if you're a teenager right now this may feel foreign to you but one day when you're grown up like us adults and you've got to pay the bills and increasing the rent or the interest rates are by the way interest rates are increasing because we needed to have it apparently and so you know all of a sudden money's getting tighter and you're contending and you're saying God where are you there are people that are battling addictions on a regular basis. There are people, when, it, if for them it feels like they're fighting for their life. If that's you, this message is for you this morning. How many people feel that like I'm just battling right now? It just feels like I'm in a battle. I'm in the thick of it. Can I see those hands? Now, for those of you that don't have your hands raised, you've been in a battle. You've been outside of the battle, but you know someone who's battling. And so this word is for you as well. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Joshua and chapter 10. Joshua and chapter 10. Uh, Hopefully, no scripture. That's okay. we got our Bibles. Now, if you brought your smartphones with with you, you're going to use it, going to redeem it for the Lord. So pull the smartphones out. Go to a web browser and type in Joshua 10. Colon, verses 5 to 14. That's what we're reading this morning. Joshua chapter 10 and reading verses 5 to 14. If you don't have your Bible, you don't have your smartphone, that is okay. The Bible, uh, Jesus said of the Word of God, right? Faith comes from hearing. Not necessarily reading. Isn't that interesting? And hearing the Word of God. So follow with me in your word. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, of Hebron, of Jarmuth, of Lakshish, and of Eglon joined forces. They moved up with all their troops and took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. The Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal, Do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. Help us because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel, who defeated them in a great victory at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going up to Beth Horon and cut them down all the way to Azekah and Makeda. As they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon to Azekah, listen to this, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them from the sky, and more of them died from the hailstones, then were killed by the swords of the Israelites. On the day, come on, someone's going to say, praise the Lord. This is how God takes out his enemies. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, O sun, stand still over Gibeon. O moon, over the valley of Aijalon." So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. As is written in the book of Jashar, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. Think about it, 12 hours, God answers prayer. 12 hours, the sun stays up in the sky. There has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to. To a man. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. When I hear words like this in the Word of God, I don't know about you, but it excites my spirit because it tells me of what is possible. Did not Jesus say when he was on the planet, he says, And you will do greater things than these. What things? All the miracles Jesus had wrought in his time. According to the book of John, John, the one of his closest disciples, said, if all the things and every single miracle was written about what Jesus did in his time on earth, three years, there would not be enough books to contain everything he did. And Jesus is saying, and you will do greater things than these. I think that we live in a day where our faith has been shrunk so small that we can barely believe for anything more than, dear God, Thank you for this food. Bless it to my body in Jesus' name. That is about the content and the power of our prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for giving me my daily bread. And that's about it. But I, as I read these words, my faith is reinvigorated when I realize God expects more. And let me give you a bit of context so far. So the king of, of Jerusalem, Adonijah He has seen and heard all the stories because there are spies all around the land. He saw this army that splits the River Jordan at a time in the season when it's at its highest. So you can't just take a boat and and go over it. It is massive. It was an actual split in the water and an entire nation. According to accounts, they say anywhere between 1.2 million to 3 million people cross the waters of the River Jordan on on dry land. And the whole nation of of the people there, they're shocked. What is going on? And then the battle at Jericho. I mean, everyone knows Jericho is impossible to defeat. They are defeated. And then there was the, the great battle at Ai. Again, an undefeatable army is defeated. But what alarmed them more was the fact that the Gibeonites, who were a nation larger than Ai, the one they just conquered, and according to the word, if you, in fact, if you read verses 1 to 4, it tells you that they were fierce warriors among the Gibeonites. Think about that for a moment. And so if fierce warriors are saying, we can't do this, a large city says, come on, we better make treaty with Israel, it was a cause of concern for all the nations that were there. And so the nations are starting to rise up. And Adonis thought, we can't face him with a battle face to face. We need to do something different. And so he decided, what if five nations got together and now we can take them down by sheer force of numbers? Have you ever found yourself in a situation so difficult that it seemed that like there was no way out? Am I the only one? Those moments when you're on your face, I, I'm literally on my face. On, I'm on my knees. My face is on the floor. I say, God, I can't do this anymore. I absolutely have nothing left inside of me. I have no resolve And you are praying and you are contending, but it feels like your prayers are hitting an iron sky. Do you understand those kind of moments? And you're constantly at it. It feels like every single day, God, when will you come through? God, are you hearing my prayers? And things seem to get worse because when it rains, it pours. It's never just one problem, right? That would be easy if it was one problem. It's always something else. And what complicates the story is that the enemy used a second tactic. Instead of attacking Israel front on in sheer force, they decided we will attack the Gibeonites. We're going to test to see this treaty, if this covenant that they made will actually stand. Or will this, this army that's undefeatable, will they simply just hand them over? Because why should we make a treaty? Why don't you do the job for us? And so this was getting serious. But the problem was Israel had made covenant with Gibeon. And they're bound by God because the covenant they make always invoke the name of the gods, whatever they worship. And now the name of Yahweh was at stake. They needed to make sure that they were true to their word, as true as a faith is with Yahweh. Can you relate to that? When you're doing so well in your faith with God, You know that moment you you made that decision, you know what, I'm going to get up, I'm going to read the Bible every day, I'm going to become a man of God for you ladies, I'm going to become a woman of God, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to contend, and things are going really well. In fact, as you're praying, you're seeing breakthroughs, but all of a sudden, your family gets attacked. You're thinking, what is this? I remember the time I started praying for my family to be, because we had a few that were just struggling in their journey. Some had turned away from the Lord, and we are contending. I mean, I'm talking direct family members. Contending in prayer. Instead of things getting better for them, um, things are going great for us, but for them, things got worse. It was like hell. Marriage is starting to threaten to be breaking up. We're talking about separations. We're thinking, this is my family. We're family. We come from pastors. How is this possible? And so rather than give up, we're contending even more, and trouble seemed to increase. Am I just, do you, does anyone understand what I'm talking about? And you've got to keep praying. You've got to keep praying. You've got to keep praying. I want to give you five key lessons that we can get from this passage, I believe, is going to help you in your journey as you battle. Here's the first one. I hope you're taking notes. Number one, expect challenge. I want to tell you that if you don't have any challenges in your life, can I suggest to you that you are not following the Lord? I'm not going to be popular now. I'm telling you, as God is my witness... If you follow the Lord, if you do the things that he asks you to do, see what it says in the word, I'm telling you right now, there will be hell to pay, but it's worth it. It's worth it when you see the devil defeated in your life. It's worth it when you see the devil defeated in your family's life. It's worth it seeing God move in miracles, signs, and wonders to make something happen. The word of God tells us in verse 5, five kings of the Amorites moved up with all their troops and took up positions and they began to attack. There's an enemy that if he can't take you down by one, they'll begin to rout up and increase in your life. There's a saying, with a greater level comes a greater. You've heard this preached before, you know this stuff, then why are we so surprised? Oh, Lord, it's just so hard. And God says, I know because I equipped you for this. Did you not say that you want to grow in your walk with me? Did you not want to grow in your stature with me? Did you not want to contend? Did you not want to lead? Did you not want to influence? Well, to take territory, there's always going to be a challenge. But we're so surprised. And we're right about these things. We're calling our friends. We're writing in social media about how difficult life is. It's supposed to be that way. Don't write it on Facebook now. Wait till you get the victory. Because God would never put you in a position in a a war that you could not win. Did you understand this? This is what it means to be more than overcomers. Is that the battle has already been written in heaven that you're going to win. Before you engage in the battle... And so when the hardship comes, God says, that's my boy. Come on, son. You can do this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do it. That's it. I'm with you. Just ask. I'll give it to you. And yet we are living this mystery. We're like, Oh, God, why did you leave me? Why did you abandon me? See, the enemies of the land understood there was a stirring happening in the atmosphere. There were battles being fought and there was territory being lost. And they realized we cannot afford to lose our territory. Neither can we afford to face them one-on-one. We need to do something more. We need an imposing force. We need to defeat them by numbers. Otherwise, we will lose our kingdom. What we don't understand is that's the devil talking. We're thinking to ourselves, oh God, this is so hard. This is so difficult. And the Lord says, Do you if, if you could just hear what they're talking about? The enemy's saying, Oh my goodness, Tony's here. We're in trouble now. Oh my goodness, Ransford is here. What are we gonna do? Route the troops, Jade is going to pray. We're in trouble now. The enemy is scared of you. That's why you have a challenge. But usually what happens is we are freaking out. It's that moment your instinct kicks in. Adrenaline is pumping like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And you are freaking out. Don't. See, I hate challenges. I do. It's just a fact of life. I hate hardship. I know the Bible tells us, James chapter 1, verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Yay. In my moment, his tears are rolling down. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. (laughs) I remember we just had this discussion recently. You know, Dad, you know, we're talking about discipline. You know, parents, if you love your kids, you discipline them, right? And, and we're telling these stories, and my kids were sharing these stories. My grown-up daughters, you know. <laughs> and I was sharing with Isaac. I said, "Cause you're gonna have kids one day, my my grandkids one day. Praise the Lord, speaking in faith. Now it's coming, it's coming. But um, when you're raising your kids in the ways of the Lord, you know, and you're trying to keep them on the straight and narrow, the Bible says you got to discipline. You're thinking, you know, I got to do this. And I said to my kids, I, you know, Daddy. They said to me, we do we do devotions every night. Back in those days, you know. And now they do their own. But I would say, you know, girls, you know, I, I, I'm disciplining because I love you. And they said, Daddy, why? Why do you do that? I said, Okay, for devotions tonight. As I was leaving in the morning, we're going to talk about that. So I had all these verses ready to go. We began to read them. You know that if a father loves his kids. He will. He will discipline. And then, and just quick as a flash, my kids said, Daddy, can you love us less? <laughs> I hate the challenges. I hate the hardship. And our default is that we want to be comfortable. Don't you want to be comfortable? I want to be safe. I want to live at peace. I want to be happy. But as long as Satan is around, you can bet there will always be a challenge just around the corner. It's implicit in the name. Do you know what Satan means? It's Hebrew. It means adversary. So rather than call him by his actual name, Lucifer, the fallen angel, he's called adversary because that's all he wants to do. The Bible says he's, he he, he, roars, he goes around, he prowls around like a hungry lion seeking whom he may devour. He's looking to take you down. Meanwhile, Christians have no idea. You know, oh, praise the Lord, brother and sister. It's all good. How's he going? It's all good until the next challenge comes. Oh, We need to change our way of thinking. Maybe we should think of it this way. Expect a challenge every day, and you won't be disappointed. Someone needs to write that one down. That's a hashtag. Expect a challenge daily, and you won't be disappointed. Oh, if you could only see the battle taking place. Right now, there's a contending for souls. I mean, you can't see it, right? I can't. I just see some faces smiling back at me. It's all good. But in the spirit realm, the Bible tells us there's you have angels assigned to you. And there's other demonic angels that are trying to take you down. It is, they're actively at work. And if you could see it, it would be breathtaking. I'm glad we don't see it. I think I would be terrified. But it's a war that is waged daily for your soul. Unfortunately, sometimes the enemy doesn't do the damage we do. We do that all by ourselves, to ourselves. But understand and appreciate that the more effective you are in ministry... The greater the threat you are to the enemy, let me tell you, on, on uh, Thursday mornings, on Tuesday mornings, on Friday uh, Friday evenings, oh my goodness. It's great because uh, we have to be careful in the mornings on Tuesday, Thursday, because you might cut out another person's voice while they're praying. So you're trying to pray really, really quietly while they're praying, because we encourage everyone, just keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. One person leads, but my goodness, on a Friday night, it is like thunder in that room. Ransford leads it. You got to come along, seven to eight o'clock. Thunder in the room. You could feel the heavens rending. It is a powerful time. Sunday morning, here this morning, powerful times of prayer. But why, as Christians, are we so surprised at a time when we're experiencing winds in our ministry? Hardship comes. In 1995, Yellowstone National Park decided to reintroduce gray wolves into the park. You see, the wolves were seen as a da- they were very dangerous. They were killing people, and they were just devouring. And, you know, they were scared of these things, so they would be- the, the hunters came in and began to cull them to the point they were almost extinct. But they were facing a problem at Yellowstone National Park. You see, the, while they were removed from the equation... The elk population increased. You see, elks eat grass, they eat shrubs, they eat trees, they eat everything. And they were upsetting the balance of the ecosystem including mice and rabbits who could not hide anymore from predators because they're eating all the bushes and the shrubs. And so their population was decreasing. It went on. The elks were eating the berries, which was the bear's supply of food following their hibernation period. So when the, when the bears came out, there was no food. Bears were dying. <laughs> because, And now the elks, because there's no apex predators, they are going to the riverbank very boldly drinking and eating everything in sight, muddying the water. And so there's even more problems because without the trees along the water's edge, without the clear water, beavers couldn't build dams. Without dams, fish, amphibians, and otters suffered. And so the park was getting run down. And they decided, how about we reintroduce the apex predator that came from here and just re-release it into the wild and see what happens. Forty-five of them. Within a very short period of time, when the wolves returned, even the very landscape changed. The animals began to, to populate. All of a sudden, the bears were returning, the rabbits, the mice, everything else that used to be in the park began to increase, and there was balance once again. Because I want to tell you, your challenge defines you. Your challenge makes you a better version of yourself. So don't try to avert challenges. Embrace them. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you go through all trials and tribulations. Here's point number two. Key lesson. God will redeem your past. Some of you come in here and you just, you know, you're hoping, oh, I hope no one knows the pastor who knew my past. They would kick me out of the church. Oh, if people knew me, they would not be my friend. Turn to the person next to you and say, I know what you did last summer. (laughs) You know, the devil is always on the prowl all the time. He's been here since the beginning of time watching you. He knows human behavior. He knows how to push your buttons. And the one that he always pushes is (laughs) guilt. Guilt. I'll press a guilt button. Just when you think you're going well with the Lord, you know, the guilt button gets pressed. The Bible tells us in verse 6 the Gibeonites sent word to Joshua, Don't abandon your servants. Come to us quickly and save us. They were calling on the treaty and the covenant that the people of Israel had made with them, saying, You signed a treaty that we're with you and you're with us. Our enemies are your enemies and our enemies are coming down hard. You need to rescue us. Did you notice that the attack did not come against Israel? The attack came because Israel made the mistake of signing a treaty too quickly with Gibeon. It was a mistake. And I wonder if Joshua and the elders of Israel regretted the hasty decision to make a treaty with Gibeon. Have you ever made a bad decision that you regret? This week, one of our colleagues, uh, a teacher, she's a region coordinator, she tells this story, her life story, and it was just so powerful. And I did not know this about this girl, but she says she became pregnant in high school. I like, what? Pregnant in high school. I would not have thought this girl would have done that. And this girl loves the Lord. She and her husband, amazing people. Never could have believed this story. Pregnant in high school, and to her shame and embarrassment, her st- the other students were mocking her, making fun of her. Her family were disappointed. Her church were mocking her, right? She drew the ire of the church because you're supposed to be a Christian. You've been going to home you group. You profess you're a Christian, but look at you now. Stupid. Anyone feel <laughs> can relate to this? It was a poor decision of a teenager. But she had determined in her heart, I am going to finish high school. One way or the other, I am going to finish high school. Through every cheer, jeer, through every taunt, through every shame, I am going to finish high school. And she did. She carried the baby to term. She gave birth to the baby all this time studying. And when she marched up there in her gown to receive her thing, her classmates applauded. She went on to do university. She decided I'm going to continue. I'm going to get my degree. Her dream was always to be a teacher, but now she has to look after a newborn. I think by this time she had a second pregnancy. Now she's got two babies. Christian, loves the Lord. But it was in uni that she befriended a whole new group of Christians. These people were different from her church. Instead of mocking her, instead of telling her, see, you should have read the word of the Lord. You're naughty. These friends loved her unconditionally just because she is who she is. And she had made a decision to follow God. She made her mistakes. That was true. But she had chosen to follow after God, and because of the love for her, she was restored in her faith. Because of this friendship, she ended up finding her husband among those friends. Today, this girl she graduated from uni. she's among our staff today. She and her husband have six children together. And she's a leader in our school, simply because of the love of Christians who just enveloped her and says, "I don't care." I don't care about your past. I don't care about those other things that might have happened. I just care about you. Even though they made a bad decision because Gibeon made covenant with Israel, they too came under the protection of Almighty God through Israel. You you might have made a bad decision in your past, but God will turn things around because of your covenant with him. Come on, you're very quiet this morning. Here's key number three. I want you to write this down. Fear will cripple you. In verse 8, the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. Before Joshua took over the land, the Lord actually appeared to him saying, be strong and of good courage. Not just once. He said it again. Be strong and of good courage. A third time, be very strong and very courageous. Why? Because you're going to need it. And now, as he's thinking to himself, what have I got myself into? Now I've got to rescue these people. We made covenant on behalf of all the people, and the name of God is at stake. I have to do battle. I have to go through with this, because their enemy is now our enemy. We must go into battle. But that fear, that moment, obviously he was fearful, otherwise the Lord would never have said, do not be afraid. You get the idea? Sometimes the word of God is so obvious we miss it. Do you know in the Old Testament it says, do not put a stumbling block in front of blind people? Do you know why they wrote that? Because they were literally doing that. Hey, dude, <laughs> check this out. Here's a blind guy. Here, put, it, put, that, put that log there. <laughs> hey, there it is. They were literally doing that. That God has to actually say it. This is why it's saying it here. Do not be afraid of them. Why? Because Joshua, the elders, and all of Israel were fearing for themselves. Five armies coming against, well, two now. Five against two. The numbers are still not looking good at all. Why is it that we allow fear into our lives when challenges and hardship arise. I'm not talking about concern. I'm not thinking about weighing your options. And looking. I'm talking about fear that grips your heart. Because let me tell you this, this is really important as a kingdom citizen to grab hold of. Fear cannot be entertained in the minds of kingdom citizens. Why? Because when you operate from fear, it will cripple your vision. I remember a time in my previous church, we grew very, very quickly as a church and the finances were so good. They were coming in. Praise the Lord. But then we hit a time where the numbers were not growing. We were struggling, the giving started to decline. And I know you're thinking, oh, why should you worry about these things? But, you know, you got to pay bills. you got to pay for electricity. And instantly you think, oh, my goodness, what will we do? By the way, it affected every church in the region. In fact, many were declining. Some even closed their doors. We were just operating on barely minimum, you know, operating on guests. And the first thing that gets affected is your finances. Because we don't have a vision for the future now. Where we were looking at new ministries coming up, we couldn't fund it because we were thinking, oh my goodness, but if we pay here, how are we going to pay for the electricity? If we pay here, how are we going to pay for these bills? How are we going to pay for salaries? How are we going to pay for... It shut down the ministry. We couldn't bring guest speakers in who could probably do the very thing of bringing life and light in that moment to realize, oh my goodness, what are we worried about? But no, we couldn't afford to bring them either because things are very tight right now. It will cripple your vision. Have a think about this. I found this interesting. The African impala can jump three meters high, so about, sorry, ten feet. Yeah, it's about three meters high, three meters high. Probably like the darkest ceiling, all right, right to the top. Three meters high. That is high. That is really high. Ten feet high, so from you to your ceiling. That's how high an African impala can jump up. And in that jump, they can cover the span of the stage, 10 meters. That is massive. Bounce and down, bounce and down. Yet these magnificent creatures can be found in the enclosure of a zoo with a wall no higher than one meter high. And do you know why? Because the animals will not jump if they cannot see where their feet will fall. They are fearful of what will happen on the other side that they restrain themselves from doing what's natural to them to jump up three meters high, ten meters long. They could, have, it could easily overcome that, easily go to the other side, but they're so bound by their fear that they'll be stuck in a one-meter enclosure. I'm speaking to somebody today. You've been struggling and being crippled with fear that you cannot even imagine a future that God has for you. You're not dreaming the dreams that God gave you, and you're just thinking to yourself, I guess this is good enough. Good enough will do. I'm telling you, God has more for you. Why is our fear of the circumstances greater than our trust in God? The circumstance... You understand this? Your circumstance is fearful of your God, who can move mountains. The devils who are giving you a hard time are fearful of your God. Yet we fear our circumstance more than we fear our God. Do you know what a circumstance is? It's made up of two words the word circum, which means circle or round, around, and it's also the word stance, how you stand. You are fearful of what you are standing and what's around you, where you stand. And God is saying, but you can't see the other side of the fence. You can easily jump over this fence with me, and yet because of the unknown, you won't trust me. But friends, let me tell you this. Faith is the belief in the unknown. You can't see what's on the other side, but you trust your God. Come on. This is good stuff. But I want to stand on the promises of God. I don't have to understand it. This is how miracles work. If you're trying to, I'm a very logical guy. I've always been like that. I've had to learn to be a man of faith. Because I need to see how it's explained. I need to see how it works. No, that's what a miracle is. It does not work. It does not make any sense. I've seen legs grow. I've seen blind eyes see. I've seen deaf people hear. Let me tell you a story. I was in a preaching in the prisons. I was in prison in Fiji. And I was preaching in the prisons in Fiji. And a, a man came up to me, wanted to pray. We're praying after we, we're ministering. And, he's, and uh, he was uh, you know, I couldn't quite say it, so someone was, was translating, saying, Pastor, can you pray for me? I'm deaf in my ears. I said, Sure. So I said, Cup, cup your ears, and I put my hands on his ears in the name of Jesus, open. You don't have to be fancy. That's it. And I said, Okay, I'm going to click my finger. Okay, I'm going to get my, my friend. He had an elder travel with me. He's going to click his finger. If you can hear it, I want you to put your hand up. Okay? And so the guy did it, and he put his hand up. And then that elder of mine, he clicked his finger and he put his hand up. He clicked his finger. I said, now have a look. And he turned around. The man was that distance away. He could hear the click. Tears began running down his face. I found out he was the three I see to George Spay who tried to bring a coup to the nation. And God healed that man instantly. Why? Are we trying to work these things out? It doesn't make sense. That's what a miracle is. I would rather fear God than fear my circumstance. I would rather fear the one that can hold death and Hades over me. In, after this death, and there's another death. I would rather fear him than fear this circumstance. I would rather fear him than fear man. And yet we're still cowering in fear. Why? Why? Remember, the reason the five kings rose up together was because of their fear of God's people. Never forget who you belong to. Give those devils good reason to fear. Ha, oh, amen. <laughs> Let me keep going. I'm going to go quick. Number four, pay the price for breakthrough. The Bible says in verse 9, after an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. To get from the point where God says, I'm going to give them to you, He could have traveled by day. God says, it's secured. It's a done deal. You don't have to worry about this. But the Bible says, he paid the price with an all-night march to get to that place. They didn't have army vehicles. They couldn't just drive there. They didn't have horses. They had to walk an all-night march to catch them by surprise. Let me tell you, this is the position and the posture of prayer. When you are desperate enough, when the trouble is bad enough that it's waking you up through the night, why don't you use it? Get out of your bed. Get on. your knees and begin to pray and contend so that God will do battle on your behalf. See, your enemy's job is to try to deflate you, to try to discourage you so that you will take your eyes off God because the instant you forget who you are and who you are in him, the devil's won. Miracles are granted by God but he moves in partnership with prayer. I want you to get this concept really good. Hopefully you get this. The miracles that God did came through an act of man. God had to use men and women in order to bring about miracles and healings, deliverance, signs and wonders. It always occurred through a man. Why? Because God has given you authority and he's not going to take it back. The only reason that that breakthrough hasn't happened in your life is because you're not praying. You're not willing to pay the price for your breakthrough. Think about this. When they woke up that morning, Joshua had no idea what God was going to do that day. All he knew was God says, the battle is yours. You've got this. Go. And he went in obedience, not knowing what the outcome was going to be. You know, sometimes we're, we're constantly looking for revelation. We want to know what the outcome will be. God tells you to do something. I need to know what it is. No, you don't. Revelation does not always accompany obedience. Sometimes God just wants you to obey, and then the revelation comes after. Okay, let's finish with one final key, and I'll get the team to come up. Number five, you do what you can do, and God will do the rest. The Bible says, listen to this, verse 10, the Lord threw them into confusion. He's done this before. In fact, in a previous battle, when God threw them into confusion, armies actually killed each other. They were so confused, they didn't realize they were fighting their own people. He went on. The Lord hurled large hailstones down on them from the sky. Let me tell you, I live in Springfield Lakes, my wife and I, and I've never in my life seen biblical proportion hailstones except for the ones that came through and smashed through the uh, roof of our house. And across the entire neighborhood, my neighbor's house was so trashed that to replace the entire ceiling as well as the roof as well as the walls. They were like missiles. They were so big uh, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating at all the size of my fist. Some of them had spikes on them. Something my fist, plus spikes, was bursting through roofs. My roof is cement, concrete, and it's meant to withstand hail. Normal hail, not biblical-sized hail. And because it wasn't designed to do that, in order to break through, it had to be something really, really large. Let me tell you, my son and I were home downstairs. We have a, a high-set home. We could hear the hail smashing through our ceiling, our roof, as if it was a bomb going off. That's, that was a concrete exploding in the top of our house. Now, imagine that hitting people outdoors, smashing through skulls. But did you notice that the Israelites were also on that battlefield? Did you miss that? Not a single hailstone touched the people of God. It annihilated their army. The Bible says, more of them died from the hailstones than were killed by the sword. Some of you are thinking, oh, I got a fight, I got a battle. No, no, no. Your job is to pay the sacrifice. You pray, God does the battle. I think we forget our position in prayer. The Bible says you're ambassadors. Ambassadors. Ambassadors don't fight, they don't go into battle with guns and tanks and all. They are the ones that ring up and say to the president, Sir, we're under attack. Please send a squadron of planes and a battalion to come and rescue us. And then they're released. That's what prayer is. It's the red phone. Remember back in the army, Batman, you know? The red phone was the line to the president. You got the red phone. Let me finish with one final thing. Oh, yeah. The sun stopped in the middle of the day along with the moon for 12 hours. And different theologians tried to water this one down and say, it's a metaphor. It wasn't a metaphor. It's literal. They fought. Never has there been a day like it before or since. But here's the thought that Jim, I want you to grab hold of. What was happening that you could not see was that there was a contending in the spiritual realm. You see that name Adonizedek is actually Hebrew. They called them that. Adonizedek means it comes from two words. Adonai, which is what a lot of the Jewish people call God. They'll say Lord. It just means Lord. And Zedek means righteousness. Let me keep going. The word Joshua is actually the proper name for Jesus. It's been Greek, anglicized to the name Jesus, but it actually should be Joshua. Yehoshua, Yeshua. It's the same word. It means Jehovah is salvation. Let me put it all together. Why don't we stand to our feet? A false god of righteousness, Adonizedek, has come against Yahweh is salvation because a false god attacked his people. I want you to understand, when the attacks come, it is God's battle. Yahweh is salvation. God wants to come and battle for you.